This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. This is Colin Watt. I was just saying there I'm going for a double uh, as our Celtic. Uh, Colin, earlier on today, Laura Bradburn and I were talking about winning the league in the next two games. Uh, we'll take it a game at a time, though. We'll talk all about Ross County. Any concerns? Did you listen to the press conference? That I've Tony... not had a chance to listen to it yet. No, but I heard Tony was representing us very well earlier on. As he always does. As he always does. And he was asking... Ange Postecoglou, all about his uh, psychology um, of the team bouncing back from a disappointment. 
and also uh, about his father and Ferenc Puskas's influence and what they would make of this Celtic side. So I'm pretty sure it's up on the Celtic TV YouTube um, mm-hmm. and we will also be putting out as an audio podcast which we still operate on all the audio services. Colin, you've uh, already appeared once this week. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about starting off with yet another interview from Neil Lennon, our old pal Lenny. What do you make of that? I, I think I had my say on Twitter on this and I think it's time that he kind of just backs off. We've, we've had enough, we've heard enough. There's people now that's forgiven him for last season. There's some people out there that will never forgive him for last season. It is what it is now. It's time to move on. Put your wee tiny violin away. We've heard it all before. <laughs> Nothing's going to change now. The ones that have forgiven you will forgive you. Others will just never get round to it. Look, I think he should concentrate on his own team and leave it to Ange. Now, what I don't blame him for is the fact that he's probably put that question to him by PLZ. Now, PLZ knew exactly what they were doing when they were getting them on, and it suggests what they're trying to do to get views at the minute. So take that as you will. But in terms of saying that he was harshly treated, and it's nothing new. It's nothing we haven't heard before. He's never going to take 100% of the blame for last season when, to be honest, there's a good chunk of it that should be on him. Yes, there should be a chunk on the players as well. But at the end of the day, Captain falls by his ship, a manager fall by buys his team. Lennon's got to take the brunt for it, unfortunately. See the thing for me, and I was speaking about about this earlier with Laura. You said uh, people will forgive, people will not. What what is there to forgive? He had a bad season. There were bad decisions to be made, and we're still talking about it now. Unless you're in a scenario, Colin, where there's something new to say, why even bother talking about it? You've exactly. said everything that you want to say. You know, give us a new revelation. Tell us something that we don't know, uh, because the mind has been made up. And I think what Andrew's done is he's proved what can be done with a different, um, for me, a different approach to a playing staff who were or appeared terribly um, underconfident. You know, which is weird when you've just won four trebles in a row that that could happen. And to rebuild that team the way that he's done it in ten ten months is. Um, Credit to Ange Postecoglou, and the big thing, you know, if you want to look at the the comparisons between the two gaffers, the big thing that I would mention is Ange very rarely looks to blame anybody else. Mm. He never t- looks to blame anyone else, even when for big parts of the season he's got one hand tied behind his back. He's he's picking Dane Murray for a European game. He's picking Owen Moffat um, against Saint Mirren away from home. There's been so many occasions this. Season Joey Joey Bart Joey Barton. No, it wasn't Joey Barton, it was Joey Dawson. Joey Dawson. Uh, playing up top. A wee bit. Playing up top. Disney speak is good French, I've heard. Um <laughs> Joey Dawson playing up top uh, against St. Johnson. At no point after these games did Dan come out and give it the poor me treatment. At no point. He just got on with it. And that for me is a massive, massive difference to what we've seen last season. What what you said is what have people got to forgive him for? I think he's it's not the performances last season as such. It's the way that he acted and the way that he treated the Celtic fan base last season and the way that his demeanour came across. For me, every time he comes out and has a go at the Celtic fan base, the same people that backed him through thick and thin, 
that for me, in my opinion, puts him down in my estimation because it's it's such an easy target. How can 60,000 respond back to you when they weren't even allowed inside the grounds? For me last season, if Celtic fans were allowed in, Neil Lynn wouldn't have been as attached to that job for as long as what he was. He'd have been out the door beforehand. Now, all he's doing is ruining his legacy at Celtic by continuing to put these digs in. As I said, let the past be in the past, move on, concentrate on his own team. He's only got two and eight in his current team. Just move on. Leave it at that and just leave it in the past. I mean, there's somebody coming in here saying, I'm not here to hear you bad-mouthing Lennon. We're not bad-mouthing him. We're telling him to shut up and move on. That's all we're asking him to do. Could you be a wee bit more blunt, Colin? Get to the point. Um, I know, it's a Friday, may as well. No, no, exactly. The the thing with this, though, is I remember an interview with uh, Jurgen Klopp not too long ago where he was under a bit of pressure and one of the press guys asked him the question about the criticism. And he, he, he actually, and I, I believe him, he said, what criticism? And he's gone on about the social media criticism from sections of the Liverpool fan base. And Klopp says, I'm unaware of it. I just don't look. I don't look for it. You know, I keep my own house in order. We know what we need to achieve. We know the standards we need to achieve. And I think that when you're at that level, Colin, you can't get involved mm-hmm. in tit for tat. I mean, at my... My kind of view on it is that if you're at that level, you probably shouldn't even look at uh, social media because you could then start second-guessing yourself, particularly through uh, the strange times that we were encountering last season. Uh, We've opened it up on the Lenny debate so that we can move on as quickly as possible. But I do want to bring in some of your views tonight. Ladies and gents, you and boy, Martin, who has made more than one appearance on Axon. Hi, guys. Sorry, but Lennon has gone down more, in my opinion, of him. And, yeah, because he's attacking the fans, Kevin comes in. Kevin 14, not here to hear you bad mouthing and talking on a PLC interview. If you can't give the man respect, just don't talk about it. Well, I think that we're being very respectful and he needs to respect the Celtic fans. With regards to uh, everything that the club has achieved uh, with him as a player and a manager, I think we respect that as well, Colin. But Mm -hmm. if somebody doesn't perform in their job, Right, often the job isn't in the public eye, but they'll be criticised, you know, at management level or whatever in house. If you've got a job that's a high profile job and it's in the public eye and in the public domain, football's not just not just another job, is it? Um, you are a pseudo celebrity, and you will be getting uh, criticism from the people that pay for season tickets and merchandise and all the other things that finance the club. Um, and I think criticism is fine as long as it doesn't get to a personal level. If you say that's not good enough and these are the reasons why, then that's fair enough. That's criticism. But once it gets into that personal attacks, and I know that that did happen, but you can't then just say, you're all a new breed of fans. I never heard any of this when I first came to the club. I mean, I, I wouldn't regard myself as a new breed because I've been watching Celtic since 1987. So I don't know, you know, what's an old breed? Do you have to have watched Celtic in the 50s to, to not be a new breed? I'm not quite sure. Um, and yourself, your first game was, let me check, it was 19, it was under, was it the was it the return of Henrik Larsson? May 2000, yep. 2000, Dundee United, yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's one of these things. Move on, move on, Lenny. And do, do the business wherever you are, um, be that in Cyprus or elsewhere in the future. McMahon, 67. 
Colin PJD. Yeah, it is just us two. Um, yep. Our comrades are in Glasgow tonight, Colin. Tell us why they're there. Uh, I believe there is a, a special function on at Celtic Park this evening, raising some vital funds. Um, and I saw the pictures in the, the WhatsApp. They're all getting dressed up for this occasion. And unfortunately, we are stuck here. I, I mean... I'd say you're stuck with the best too, but I mean, you're stuck with Paul and then whoever can come in alongside Paul. So, um, But no, it looks as if it's another fantastic night that's been held at Celtic Park. So uh, good luck and enjoy to everyone who's going along. Yes, um, it is. It's a fundraiser for the Willie Mealy statue. It's going to be erected in Newry. And the fundraising has been very successful. And we're hoping to push the fun's right over the line tonight with an event in Scotland up at the Kerrydale Street with Martin O'Neill and it's a sellout and Axom has a table and Colin's laughing at something I'm not quite sure what you'll see it in a second um, right. I, I, just on the, the point you're making there about the, the sort of pressure um, one of the most interesting interviews non-Axom related um, that I've heard and it's kind of relevant because there's a big fight this weekend was with Tyson Fury. Um, and Tyson Fury speaks about the pressure of being the world champion at such a young age, from what he was brought up to, um, to then having everything in the world at his feet, having all the cars, having all the girls that were chasing after him, having the money, having the bad influences that were around him as well, mm-hmm. um, and how basically he was to the point of suicide, to the point where he got in his car one day and was determined that he was ending his own life. And it wasn't until someone, whatever it was in his mind, whatever, says to him, you've got a family to look after. Yeah, This is the pressures that professional sports people are on. And we don't understand it. And we're speaking about this on Wednesday because it ties in with the, the Rio Hitati interview as well. We, we keep saying they're paid all this money to, to accept this pressure. We don't fully understand it. We Gareth don't. Bell's spoken about it recently as well, Colin, isn't he? Yeah. After the international games. I think the big thing that you've got to realise is that uh, regardless of how much money they get spe- uh, paid and how much money they spend, how much money they, they get paid, they're human beings, just like mm-hmm. you and I, and they, they suffer from um, emotional distress, just like you and I. And the thing, again, and I'm not criticising anybody because I love the process of interviews. I love watching them. I'm quite sad when it comes down to that, Colin. I love doing them. And I was in a job prior to Axom that for 12 years I interviewed people every single day for 12 years, uh, generally about things they didn't want to speak about. And then when I start doing my books and all that kind of stuff and you're speaking to people about their lives and their careers, things they do want to speak about, I'm a sponge. I love doing it. And, you know, over the years and uh, people who have been involved with uh, Celtic, other football teams, music, I just love them opening up. But the one thing, if there is a criticism, is that if you are interviewing an individual and they give you a line that they've given in the past that doesn't quite add up as an interviewer, then surely you could challenge that. Mm. And I don't think that's done all that often um, in that particular interview. But as Kevin said, stop talking about it. Kevin, we talk about everything Celtic related, be that a new jersey or a new left back or a new interview. We talk about it. Speaking about new things, Paul, I believe there's a new book coming out. Just when you were mentioning that, tell us a wee bit more about your new book. Oh dear, eh? You know what I found quite interesting about that, right? It's t- and I'm not plugging it, 
you can buy it, you can ignore it, it's up to you. Um, Kevin Graham's I'm, the pod king. He's been plugging his book every time he's been on. So you're Kev- allowed to do it at least once or twice. Kevin's taking a box tonight to try and sell him at the event. <laughs> and uh, no, the, the thing with the book is um, I wrote three very, like, in quick succession. I wrote three. Uh, so I basically wrote, they, they overlapped. And I started the fourth and it overlapped with the third, but I couldn't finish it. I just could not get it over the line. And there was a number of reasons for that, uh, you know, having kids and, and uh, setting up Axom during that whole pr- process in that period. Um, took up a lot of my time and uh, the publisher were based down south, so to actually go and see them down in London was pretty difficult. There's only so much you could do. Anyway, it took me seven years, Colin, to do it. Seven years. And what I find bizarre is unless you're J.K. Rowling you're not, or Irvin Welsh or something, you don't make... I mean, it's not... A, I would never advise anybody if, if their sole purpose in life to make, is to make money. Don't write books and don't write books on Celtic or any football club because the the volume that they sell, it's not a money-making enterprise. It's just the, the absolute, absolute satisfaction of being able to do it. So everything I've done, I've never went for the big hitting subjects. Neely Mocking, um, Andy Lynch, the Quality Street Gang, quite, you mm-hmm. know, Mocking had done an unbelievable career with Celtic. Of course he did. But, you know, his era, the big name is Jock Steen. Um, Andy Lynch's era, the big name is Dalgleish. You know, so it's never been about that. I've never gone for that. But yeah, I have written a fourth book. And uh, I was so delighted that it was getting published after all this time that I tweeted about it. And then people instantly come on. 30 quid, you're having a laugh. Look at this guy trying to make money off Celtic fans and this and that. It could be £5 or £100. It doesn't matter to how much the author gets paid. You get pennies. I mean, pennies. And so it's nothing to do with money. I would never try and rip off Celtic fans. But the book is coming out in October. Um, It's up for pre-order on Amazon. And it went to number one in the charts. And it's not even available yet in terms of the physical book getting sent out. So looking forward to it. It's all about Celtic jersey the history of the Celtic jersey, and it's a photographic book. So it's one of these coffee table big jobs, not quite as big as the Opus. It sits on your coffee table. Every Celtic jersey since 1935, I think, except for a handful we managed to locate. So if you're an aficionado on the football jersey front, I love a football jersey, then you might want to have a look at it. But you asked the question. I was yeah. not going to plug that. No, I, was, I, I put it in there and I'll put it out to the to people in the chat. If you can think back as far as 1935, and we know some of you were definitely around because you've let us know that in recent times, tell us what your favourite Celtic jersey has been throughout the years. And Paul, since you're the author of said book, what was your favourite, not your favourite jersey of all time, but your favourite one that you discovered and had a story about throughout the book? Well, I think... Um... Celtic are unique in that the hoops, the green and white hoops, anybody in the world sees them when they think about Celtic. And I know there are other clubs, calling that wear the green and white hoops, some inspired by Celtic, of course. But you cannot get better than the the jersey that was worn in the European Cup final. PGD was born in 1930. That, that's not far <laughs> off at Lanky. Um, yeah, Absolutely. And the grey, I've got the grey hair to show it to prove it as well. But I think the Lisbon jersey, you would be doing well to beat that. It's just simple. The round neck, the resplendent green and white hoops, no crest, no sponsor. Interestingly enough, if you're ever. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. 
But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. At an auction or or whatever you see, you can go online to these auctions at McTears and stuff, and often the European jerseys come up. One of the things I notice, because you've got the jersey and you're putting on mannequins and you're photographing all the details mm-hmm. on the book, because back then all the players tucked their jerseys in, right? But right on the bottom of the jersey, on the very very bottom of the jersey, on the white hoop, there is a blue Umbro logo. Now, it's not as bold as the one that eventually appeared on the jersey. Mm-hmm. It's a print, very thin, down the very bottom. And it's quite thin. Um, and there's other jerseys later on, and it's the same print, but in yellow. But you don't see that because they're always tucked into the shorts. So in terms of the home jersey, you can't beat Lisbon. Interesting enough, we wore short sleeves that day, where domestically we used to wear the long sleeves, but we were going to be playing in Lisbon, and obviously the heat was going to be a, a factor. I've also had the Inter Milan jersey in my hands as well that, that was worn that day. And if you compare the Umbro fa- fabric to the Inter Milan jersey, and I'm not sure who actually made the Inter Milan jersey, the Umbro one is so much thinner. So just tiny, tiny wee margins like that, you know, with mm-hmm. the heat getting, you know, playing in, in Portugal, the Inter Milan jersey was so thick. Um, so in terms of the home jersey, it's got to be that. And then you go right down to so the shorts with the big numbers on the shorts. Yep. Uh, that for me was typically Celtic in that era. Interesting enough, there is an inside pocket in the shorts. What's that for? Packet of cigarettes, false teeth, I'm not sure. Uh, Ronnie Simpson's false teeth. Uh. Yes. So there's a there's an inside pocket and then the plain white socks. And then if I was to pick a, an away one, we've had some crackers. We've had some absolute shockers as well, which sometimes become iconic jerseys in, them, in themselves. But what I loved was there was an away jersey in the early 90s and it was black green with a white pinstripe so it was mm-hmm. stripes yeah, yeah. and it had kind of like a floppy collar and we wore it for two seasons and the first season we wore it it had no sponsor and then the second season we wore it it had CR Smith yep. and the, the badge was in a shield and unfortunately we weren't a very good side so you know we don't look back so fondly on the jersey but it was an absolute classic that was the early 90s wasn't it? yes I, I think, think it's been reintroduced were... to the Celtic store it has and to be honest, I'm pretty sure that's the jersey that Celtic were wearing the day I was born. We drew one each away at Easter Road. What gear was that? Ninety-three. Potentially, potentially. Can you do you know who scored? Uh, was it Jerry Craney? Nah, well, you know Craney is one of the players I remember in that jersey actually. But um, they're my two favourites. But there's been some crackers. I love the 1970s one uh, that Dalglish wore. Um, and then, of course, when the Umbro and, and the Celtic badge and, and the sponsor started coming in, 
and it became more commercial, then it loses a wee bit of its appeal. Uh, but I quite like the jerseys we've got at the moment, to be fair. Russell yeah. Conway comes in, even lads, more on the weekend. Absolutely. Hopefully we can uh, ease you into the weekend. What are you up to? Let us know in the comments section if you're having a little sherbet or two. Um, or if you're just having a, a wee carry out, if you're in the boozer, let us know what you're up to. Colin and I are not. Now, Edward, if an interviewer asks him a question, then he's going to answer it. Yes. Exactly, but what you I think what is as important as a question is the secondary question. It's the one after that where you've got your answer and you want to pick a wee bit further. And sometimes that doesn't happen with when you're getting interviewed with your mate, if you know I, what I mean. I think so many times as well, but when you look at it, you should know when's the right thing to talk about something. Just because you've been asked a question doesn't mean you have to answer it. Ange Postacoglu showed that this season when he's been asked difficult questions on ticket allocation and um, security of players and stuff like that, when he thinks it's beyond his realm or it's not relevant to the ongoing situation that he finds himself in, he tends not to answer it. Mm. No, you're right. Fuji's Toner. Good evening, PJD, Colin, and the boys and girls tuning in. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, get involved in the chat. There seems to be a wee community on a Friday night who like a bit of chat. Um Lenny said nothing out of order. I think, to be honest, we've heard it all. Everything that he said. Um, I don't like any... I, I, and I think there's a lot of people who don't like any XL having a go at the club or having a, a go at the fans. And we react to that. And um, there's a few names coming up. Uh, you are just a pop. Thank you very much, Brian. <laughs> I am just a pop. Thank you. That was you. what I was laughing at earlier. Oh, aye. Thanks for joining us. Plenty to discuss. I want to run through it all. Five league games to go, Colin. And I remember, and I said this to Laura earlier on, looking at though the uh, post-split fixtures and thinking this is going to be a tough game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's away. Malcolm Mackay's done well, and you know. But I thought we blew them away at Celtic Park. Do you expect that or something more like the last time we went to Dingwall? I think it'll be something more similar to the last time we went to Dingwall. Um, although when you compare the team that started that day to the team that will most likely line up on um, Sunday afternoon, it is pretty much night and day. Um, thankfully, it does seem as though the only player that's going to be missing is Joseph Geranovic. Um, so the um, 97th minute winner hero, Anthony Ralston, will probably come in at right back for the game. And uh, it does look as if Greg Taylor will be fit, which is good news because... As I said on this show last week, and you can go back and clip it, I said in the next couple of weeks, I was predicting that Greg Taylor would go on the, the score sheet. He only took him two days to go on the score sheet. So, did you, have a, did you back him? Did you, you stick know, a fiver on him? I'll tell you a true story, though. The boys in front of us at Hamden had him on as first goal scorer at 100 to 1. Oh, I seen that. Somebody, yeah, somebody posted that on the Facebook, the Axon Facebook page. Uh, with a betting slip. So he was 50 to 1 for the first goal. 100, 100 to 1 he was. 100 to 1. 100 wow, how to much one did they put the on? Boy, put, boy in front of us put a tenner on him. And everyone was kind of hesitant to see if he would officially get it because it did look as if it took a touch. But um, no, he got given the goal. Bit of a celebration in the row in front of us. So congratulations to the boy that put that on. I, I, I just think he's getting in, in far more advanced positions now and it's all down to the, the system that we're playing. And do you know what? It's, it was worth it on Sunday. It was something we had to mix up. We had to take a goal from longer range because we couldn't quite work it into the box. And it just shows you if you don't take a chance, then you can't win. I, I, 
you know, during this season and last, we spoke about um, the lack of efforts from outside the box that have been converted. Yeah, as well. Christy. Yeah, that we haven't <laughs> Christy. Um, that that have been converted, and sometimes you do. And, and I think that against uh, Ross County for the the first game at home, it was Carter Vickers that broke the deadlock mm-hmm. just yep. by having a speculative effort. It ricochets, it goes over the goalie, and the floodgates can open after that. I thought, uh, well, I mean, you've, you've spoken about it, as have I, but I thought that Taylor um, was coming into some of the best form of his Celtic career, and when he scored that goal, I, I was looking at the, the, the repercussions of him being the match winner and all that kind of stuff, and obviously it didn't quite work out. Mm. Um, DM McDonald, here we go. Beaton McGregor O'Reilly would be my midfield three for Sunday. I don't know about you two. Didn't uh, Anne say that the only injury we've got is Juranovic? Is that correct? Right? Yes. So Beaton yeah. is available. It does sound that way. Yeah, it was disappointing he wasn't available. Did we ever get official confirmation as to why he wasn't available? I heard two different stories: one that he was carrying a niggle, and the other one he was suspended. But mm. there was nothing ever official came out about that. Well, we're. On the subject to beat on, the reason I bring it up is we've got a few things to consider. The first one you've already mentioned is Hatate talking about, obviously, his time uh, mm-hmm. since coming to Celtic in January and the intensity of it all. Um, and I don't think he had a bad game against Rangers. I don't think. I think yeah, he may be tired a, a bit. But the midfield for me was lacking at times against Rangers. On Sunday, and I'm thinking if there are going to be changes to be, you know, unforced, if you like, changes to be made, it may well be within the midfield area, Colin. So, DM McDonald's given us his midfield three. Do you agree, or what changes would you make to that? I, I think Beaton's not a bad shout for the six role. McGregor is just undroppable at the moment, even on Sunday when nobody I thought had a great game. I thought he was the best of a bad bunch. Between O'Reilly and Rogic, I'm I'm just not sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure on which one I would go with. Um, I didn't think Rogic had a, a great game on Sunday. I thought O'Reilly definitely was the better of the two, considering both of them played in that position. I just think the experience of Rogic at the moment is what we need. If you're going to have the experience in Beaton, I'd also go with the experience of Rogic. And the the reason I'm saying that is it does sound as if. Uh, George's Giacomacchus will be fit again. Um, and what you find with Rogic is he tends to sort of play well when there's a bit of space created behind him. Mm-hmm. And Giacomacchus definitely does do that. Now, Hatati was good at that as well, but we, we do think Hatati will probably be rested. I just think Rogic could be one that just gets a bit of space on the edge of the box, puts one in the back of the net. Um, whereas O'Reilly, he's good for the legs. And I think in the second half, especially if a game's still quite tight, he's someone that can stretch the game as well, whereas Rogic isn't someone I would look to to come off the bench. Right, I'm going to ask a question then, because I think against St Johnston and Rangers, uh, O'Reilly shaded it. If if you're comparing Mm -hmm. O'Reilly and Rogic, I think he Mm -hmm. shaded it, right? Uh, But we all know the virtues of of Tommy Rogic. I mean, the guy is a game-changer. Uh, single-handedly can win you a game he does things with a football nobody else in the Celtic team is capable of doing so the big question then can they play in the same team because it's almost as if there's a default here when we're talking about the midfield you think right who can be the number six to McGregor and then who plays the number 10 and I'm looking at a scenario where until O'Reilly comes in prior to Turnbull's injury Turnbull and, and Rogic play 
quite a lot of games together, right? They did, yeah. And a lot, a lot of fans and a lot of the commenters on here and some of the contributors were saying, well, we, we don't function that well when the two of them are playing. Um, are they too similar? Um, can we utilise O'Reilly slightly differently to accommodate both him and Rogic? That's, that's a question I'd like to pose to you, Colin. This, this almost goes back to the sort of arguments back in the day of can Lennon and Lambert play together because they were such similar players. Um, for me, there probably is a way to play both Rogic and O'Reilly. The question I'm unsure, or the, the answer I couldn't give you is which one of the two would play the furthest forward. Now, that necessarily isn't a bad thing because if I think back to some of the games earlier in the season, there was times when the midfield three were rotating constantly throughout the game where you would find, I think it was, it might have been Turnbull, Rogic and Beaton. This is maybe when McGregor was out injured. At times, Beaton was the furthest forward out of the three and David Turnbull was, was sort of rotating into that defensive midfield role. The reason that they do that is to keep the midfield guessing. They don't know who they're marking, who to pick up. We've saw it recently as well. Ange's been switching the wingers quite quite frequently. At Ibrooks, it seemed to be every 15 minutes that he did it, where he switched um, Jota and Maeda and switched them round and mm. changed it and changed it. Keeping the midfield guessing, especially on such a, a narrow pitch, isn't a bad idea. So it could be a tactic to go with to play the two of them. And then you're sitting there going, who am I marking? Who am I picking up? But in terms of... For me, that would rely on Kyogo being your, your main striker up top. Because I still think that you need someone who's going to take advantage of the space that Jack and Marcus is going to create for you by dragging the defenders out. Mm-hmm. And if it falls to beat on on the edge of the box, as much as the commentators want to tell us that he's got a fantastic record, he simply doesn't. Um, he can hit a shot from there but it's few and far between that go in the back of the net you'd rather have someone like Rogic O'Reilly even Turnbull at that rate to pick that ball up at the edge of the box so um, if you're going to change it to to be rotational then you want Kiel go up front if it's going to be a traditional three I would have Jack and Marcus as your, stri- your striker It's interesting I mean whatever uh... Ange Postacoglu does. I'm pretty sure that we will support his decision. He sees the guys training every single day. Some good... yeah. Sorry, Paul. I was going to say, just by describing that, shows that a lot of people who think that Ange only has a plan A, it's it's not right at all. There's almost like... It might be a deviation of plan A, but it's not that he only has one way to play and that he sticks to that. Just because his plan A doesn't work, he goes to plan A.1 or point two or point three, and just changes wee bits here and there. Sticks to the, the core of what he believes in, stick to the players that he believes in, but just changes it round a bit. Well, it was a, I think it was a criticism that was being levied at him when performances weren't great and results weren't going so well. And then when we go on a massive run, nobody really talks about the, the plan B being an issue. Uh, Colin, but I think that there has been um, adaptations of what we know as is, is, um, Angie's style. Certainly, uh, his philosophy won't change. That that's a big thing for me. The style yeah. does change, but the philosophy never ever does. Um, now, loads of good points coming through. Thanks for getting involved, uh, ladies and gents. Ian McGuigan, my first game was under Jimmy McGrory. 
And since that time, we've not had a manager. Not sure what the last bit was. Please share it with us, Ian. I love speaking to fans who have the knowledge uh, of the kind of like older, older uh, eras. And obviously, McGrory left the club as a manager anyway in 1965. So you have knowledge pre the glory days, if you like, under Jock Steen. And I love hearing from fans who were there and saw it in Technicolor which is bizarre because you always think about these things in grainy black and white. Uh, McMahon, great host. Thank you, McMahon. And of course, I'm going to bring that up. Um, I'm not saying I agree with you, but thank you for it. Anyway, uh, this one here, going back to one of the first points or the first point we raised, might empty protests outside the ground a week or two before we played a cup final to achieve four trebles on the trot. Yes, but uh, you've got to look at the full context of what the protests were, what they were about, and how wide-scale the protests were as well, Colin. Because, I mean, let's not um, let the you know the, the passage of time embellish that or revise exactly what happened after the Ross County game. And also, it wasn't about the fact that we were going for four trebles on the trot. It was about what was happening within that season. So that two games that we played... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet... But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. In that particular season to win the Scottish Cup. Um, okay, apart, let's look at the season that we were having. Let's look at the recruitment. Let's look at the lack of communication from the board to the fans. Um, and let's look at a, a, a fragmented relationship between the Celtic board and the fans. Because that's what we were going through at that time. It wasn't that... Yeah, we were continuing this incredible wave of dominance because that season in itself wasn't a dominant season. We had two games to play that were held over from the previous season to win a treble that gave us a fourth domestic treble in a row. But it's class as the previous season. We only played two games to win that under Neil Lennon last season. So you've got to look at the full context of that. Colin. I can't just say, oh, you were rioting or protesting outside the ground, even though we were hugely successful. 
wasn't quite like that, was it? And what then thereafter happened after that game against Ross County, which I think was in October, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. um, got worse. The whole scenario got worse. Dubai happened. Um, the outbursts happened from the manager to the fans. So, you know, the whole context has to be looked at. But we got over it. We've moved on. Are there still issues behind the scenes at Celtic, at boardroom level? I would suggest that the the many of the same issues that we had at the time still exist. And Ange Postacoglu is the greatest thing that's ever happened to that Celtic board because whilst there's success on the football park, Colin, a lot of fans don't focus on what's happening in the boardroom. Um, now, yeah, the, the event tonight um, has been set up by the Nuri Celtic Supporters Club. Willie Mealy was his name. Calibra, or Calibra, 71. Uh, you're quite right there. And it would be great to hear Martin O'Neill because the man talks a lot of sense and he was a absolute legendary manager at Celtic mm-hmm. uh, Lanky67 good evening my Celtic brothers and sisters Lanky don't forget the sisters as well uh, and Brian Degnan points out quite rightly that money doesn't cure mental health so you've got these high profile sports people um, you've just got to look at the, the life uh, that was being led by Johnny Depp it's all over the uh, the media at the moment I mean these people's lives are not perfect are they so um, once you start to get a wee bit of insight into that you realise that money certainly doesn't cure something like that absolutely um, so yeah keep the comments coming in can we play Tommy Rogic and Matt O'Reilly in the same team do we need a holding midfielder in domestic football or is this slightly different because of uh, what's at stake Colin um, I've heard a lot of comments coming in over the months saying that we don't need to be playing you know holding midfielders certainly not two in domestic games what I'm going to ask you though and it's a bold question, I guess, so give me a bold answer. Can we more or less win the league in the next two games? Do you think Celtic will do it? I know we can do it. Do you think Celtic will do it? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and please, please. Sorry, I broke up a bit there, Paul. Say that again. No, on you go. I would say nothing for me has changed since I made this prediction back at the turn of this, the year. You can go back and look at one of the old podcasts that myself... Is this one of your Nostradamus moments? Yeah, another one. Colin, just for for everybody tuning in, Colin is partial to wee Nostradamus from time to time. Um, I can't remember many of them. What what was this one? Um, So this one, I said back in December that the title was in our hands when we were six points behind. I said all we had to do between now and the end of the season was win every game and the title was ours. So far... Since the turn of the year, it's been pretty much that way. Um, we haven't dropped many points, if any, if I can remember. Um, we've obviously had the, the poor result in the, the Scottish Cup. But what I take from it is that Ange is able to almost turn the focus off of the previous game immediately and turn the focus to the next one. And he takes them all as just three points at a time. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're able to do that gives me the confidence that we can turn up at Dingwall on Sunday, get the three points, and then instantly the attention's turned to the next game against them at Celtic Park on the 1st of May. And again, it's simply three points. Now, if you come out of that game nine points clear with the goal difference that we've got, you would be already celebrating, to be perfectly honest. I know it's it, you still need another point out of the three games and you've got two games at home. But realistically, if you 
you you able to keep this mantra going, keep this form going. There's nothing stopping us from saying after those two games that the, the title would be ours. Well, yeah. I mean, people might say, don't count your chickens. Come on. You win the next two games, you've won the league, right? Um, thanks for the support. Opinionated Glaswegian OG, I don't book. Um, or is it Odson Edward in disguise? Odson Edward, uh, Yeah, well, you know what? Even if you don't book, you might like this one because there's loads of pictures in it. Audio book. Get an audio book on the go. I don't know if the audio book would work for the jerseys. You need to yeah, see can, the beauty of the, the fabric. You can still get the pictures on the audio book format on Audible. Well, there you go. That shows you I've never used audiobooks, Kindles or whatever else you can do. Um, I only just got into telephone banking recently. <laughs> right, Daniel Duffy, looking forward to hear the backstory of the grey pink monstrosity. I'll tell you one thing, Daniel. It's the only Celtic jersey, the only Celtic jersey that was never worn. Mm-hmm. Only one. Now, people might think back to what was coined the European jersey. It came out in 1986, right? So it's the white down the bottom. There's a panel at the top, C.R. Smith, um, green and black. Yeah, under Davy Hay, cross mm-hmm. neck, umbro. That was worn once in a friendly, never in a competitive game, and the reserves used to wear it. But the green and pink monstrosity, and I'm not disagreeing with that, was never, ever worn. Uh, the backstory of it is that someday at New Balance had a look at all the old Celtic jerseys from back in the day and they found one with the Coviet, the, you know, the Airdrie style thing and it was green and white and that was it. How they came up with grey and pink, I don't know. Um, New Balance probably, in their wisdom, thought that sports jerseys with that colour scheme were proven to sell in big volume because they even pitched, and this is true, mm-hmm. they pitched at one of these fans' forums quite a few years back, a blue Celtic away jersey because some of the biggest selling sports jerseys in the world were blue. This is this sometimes shows you how these manufacturers just don't get what the club are about. Um, and they also pitched a brown one to tap into the St. Pauli market. So uh, neither of which was taken up. And they've gone for a grey and pink monstrosity, Daniel. I'll keep saying that because I think it's a good description. One of the worst... Without a doubt. I don't think it's going to be like the zigzag effort that's going to be iconic in the future. I don't think anyway, Colin. And there's probably 15,000 of them in the cellar uh, underneath the Celtic Superstore as well. Uh, Ryan McGinley, welcome to the show, Ryan. You should have dialed in. Hey, guys, what do you think of Turnbull O'Reilly coming in ahead of Hatati on Sunday? I think he needs a rest. I think it goes along the the kind of conversation we're having, Colin. And um, I would not be surprised if Hatati is rested on Sunday, if you were to choose between the two, personally I'm going for O'Reilly because of the game time he's had recently and I think Turnbull was completely anonymous against Rangers uh, and I'm not criticising him, he's just coming back trying to get the match fitness, trying to get the sharpness, O'Reilly's much more at a stage where you could put him in there and trust that he's going to do a job. Yeah, definitely, I would go with O'Reilly for this game on Sunday. Um, Do you know, we were speaking about this and we're talking about David Turnbull's sort of influence on the team this season. When you go back to this time last year, he was winning player and young player of the year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a bit different this year. I think most people would agree that um, Callum McGregor's probably up there for player of the year. And um, I don't know, let us know in the comment section who you voted for, for your player and young player. I went with Leo Abada um, for young player. But when you look at it, David Turnbull this season was committed to playing 90 minutes under Ange because we didn't have any other 
options in the midfield. That's why the January transfer window was so important. And that's why we focused on bringing in midfielders. You look at the, the, the players we brought in, we keep saying, why, why are we bringing in another midfielder? We're now seeing now, we're now seeing now why, sorry, because the depth is so important in the way that Celtic play this style of football. David Turnbull last year was struggling to play 90 minutes week in and week out because he is still recovering from what is a potentially serious career-ending injury that he's only just went under the, the knife for, what, two years ago now, Paul? Mm, yeah. So managing him and trying to get the best out of him may mean that you only get 60 to 75 minutes at the, the intensity that Celtic want to play. And he's going to need to take a bit of time to build himself back up to it. It's also the reason why I think we haven't seen a lot of um, Idiguchi yet as well. As you saw what happened when he came on, played half an hour, 45 minutes, and then picks up that injury. It's just not worth taking the risk with these guys, knowing that they're part of the long-term future of the club, just in the short term. If there's players there like O'Reilly who's came in, injury-free, can step into it, they're probably above him in the pecking order, and then it will get reset in the summer. Everyone will get their chance to impress Ange in the pre-season. Well, maybe talk about that, because we had a very interesting pre-season chat, Colin, you and I, and um, I'm not saying that we predicted exactly what was going to happen, but at the time, it seemed bizarre how many players we were saying were going to leave the club and how many we needed to bring in, and it seemed unrealistic, actually. But when you go back and watch that at a later date, it was pretty spot on in terms of the figures. Um, You know, players going out, players coming in. Um, So I think when you're looking at, you know, Idiguchi is obviously... It's going to be in the plans, but there are other players who play maybe a similar position. I, Ismail uh, Sorrow, who's not even on the bench of eleven on Sunday. Uh, James McCarthy, who is, but who's barely played. Mm-hmm. And you wonder what the future holds for these guys. I think Sorrow's gone. Um, you know, uh, James McCarthy. I'm not quite sure what the plans will be for him moving forward as well. It might be hard to actually offload him permanently. Um, Fuji's Toner, Centenary Top, loved it. Absolutely loved that jersey. Uh, I remember wearing it to school, even though you weren't allowed to wear football jerseys. And again, Ryan McGinley, uh, you're in for a double black away top 2012-2013, beating Spartak in Russia in that belter of a kit. What colour should a Celtic away jersey be? Mm, I, I think it's it's between that sort of lime green 86 Love Street colour mm. or the black. I think the black's very smart. In fact, I'll throw another one in there. I've uh, one of my favourites over the most, uh, sorry, over the recent years was the um, anniversary kit, which was the white with a black collar and the, the Celtic cross on it. Yeah, yeah, I remember wearing that against Hearts at Celtic Park, 1 0 Samaras, because they had the black and green hoop socks as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a couple of St. Pauli fans over for that particular game. Um, I I mean, I love the yellow away kits. Um, I love the lime green because of the, the memories that that invokes. Um, but what I would say is I think the third jersey is completely useless. And it's been proven by this pink and grey monstrosity, as it was called earlier, which was never worn. If you pick the colour of the away jersey carefully enough you will know that you'll never need a third jersey domestically, right? So there's only a few games that you need an away jersey domestically. And I think your third jersey, every season, should be one of these blackout kits. So the badge and the sponsor and the Mm -hmm. manufacturer and all that, it's all blacked out, everything's black. Uh, And the reason for that and when we would wear it would be whenever there's a, a death in the Celtic family 
or a particular anniversary. And I think sales of the jersey should go to the former Players Association to help the families of the deceased. They've all, you know, for the last couple of years, I think the club should do that. I think the third jersey is an absolute cash in. There's no need for it. So let's do something useful with it. You well, know, and instead of wearing the black armbands, Colin, wear the black jersey, the, mm. the black kit. I saw Arsenal wearing the, the sort of blackout kit earlier on in the season, which was, uh, it was interesting on the eye. Um, definitely, I don't know why they wore it. I think it was just a publicity stunt from. Was it not a white, a white, a white out one, which was um, to to uh, bring the, uh, raise awareness rather for knife crime. I'm not Am sure. I, right? I remember the blackout kit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, for, I mean, it gets to the point where you're going to Easter Road, and Easter Road's particularly the ground where you do have to wear these um, third kits. And going on this season's kits, we're not even able to wear one. We're wearing a kit from the previous season. So whoever's sort of thinking that one out is obviously not sort of thought it out in terms of practicality. It's more thought out in terms of commercialisation. So, Talking of commercialisation, you've turned this into a, an absolute plug for my book, so we're going to have to stop talking <laughs> about jerseys because a lot of folk don't like talking about Celtic jerseys. Um, can't beat the Bumblebee. Yeah, I love the original Bumblebee. That was absolutely brilliant. I reckon we're, we're due a Bumblebee. It's been a couple of seasons now. I could see a return of the Bumblebee soon. Yeah, maybe a black and green hoop jersey for their way top might work as well. I've always thought that. But uh, I remember once drawing a picture and sending it into the Celtic View and it was printed. So dig them out, early 90s, with my design. Do you remember the kit we wore um, at Old Trafford under Gordon Strachan? The black and green number. It's also the one that we wore, I think, at Rugby Park when Nakamura Mm -hmm. scores the free kick to win the league. Yep. That's actually one of our favourites of the recent times as well. But then you do find, this is the last word on kits, by the way, please don't tune off yet, but you do <laughs> find that a lot of the jerseys are basically the manufacturer, because in that instance it was Nike. So mm-hmm. the manufacturer basically just looks at the old grid of all the old jerseys and they recreate one of the old ones, right? So Nike did it with the lime green Love Street top and they done it badly, I thought. They did it with that black and green one, and they did it with a few others. Uh, they also did it with the yellow away and all that as well. But see that black and green one? That's modelled on a jersey we did have in 1973. There's a great picture of Bobby Murdoch modelling it, and it's the, the floppy V um, collar, mm-hmm. black and green stripes, nothing else on it. And that was actually designed by a Celtic fan who went in for a competition in the Celtic View and he won the competition, and Celtic wore that jersey as their wee kit. And the guy's name is Gordon Cowan, and he's on Twitter. And he's an absolute brainiac of Celtic, and um, an aficionado on all things Celtic. And these are the things you find out, Colin, when you're writing a book on Celtic jerseys. So, there you go. Uh, yeah, it was one of my favourites. We need to talk about a few other things. We've spoken about Neil Lennon. Five games to win the league, can we do it in two? Of course we can. Injury concerns, right. My big thing about this was on Sunday, you're rolling along in his great domestic run and you're thinking, oh, this is great, you know. If Kyogo's injured, you bring in Yakamakis. Um, and you're going around the park and you're thinking of, you know, that that dilemma there. What if Hatati's out? Oh, well, you can bring in Beaton or Turnbull. What if Rogic's is out? You can bring in. But then I think it was actually laid bare. We don't have the depth that we probably thought we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got a second 11 sitting on the bench, Colin. It's no ideal that you lose two fullbacks. Of course it's not. But the whole balance of the team was, was affected by that. And you look at Greg Taylor, who I think has come on and proven that he's the best left back at the club by a distance, by the way. Um, but we've got nothing below him. 
in terms of backup, unless you're playing Juranovic out of position. Um, and there's a few positions like that. And dare I say, and I, I mentioned it earlier on, I think the centre-half's the same. I think we're really struggling if you get an injury to Starfield or Cameron Carter-Vickers. Where about are we going to be strengthening in the summer? I would say the positions that are probably key for strengthening for the first team would be centre-half, left-back. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Probably an additional central midfielder. And then I'd be looking at the wings because you're looking at Jota who... On the first half of this season, you would absolutely pay the £6 million. On the second half so far, you're sort of saying, hmm, maybe there's better out there. Um, and then you've got James Forrest on the right-hand side, who I think is kind of coming towards the end of his time at Celtic. I don't think he's got that impact that he once had. Do you think and- he is, Colin? That's, that is a bold statement. Let's let's expand on that. So you think James at 30 is finished, potentially? I, I wouldn't say he's finished. I just don't think he has the same impact that he once had and I think that comes to the point of the amount of injuries he picked up when he was younger and I wouldn't be surprised and I'm not saying this is exactly what's going to happen but if you look at someone like Kieran Tierney and the injuries that he picked up at such a young age as well Mm -hmm. you can see that he is quite injury prone and when he gets to sort of the same age that James Forrest is now you would be concerned in the long term of how he's going to end up because a lot of his game is about driving forward in the same way that James Forrest's game was about getting beyond his man, having that extra yard of pace, getting in behind. He was never someone to bring out the, the tricks and the flicks. He was the speed demon down the wing. And you saw it on Sunday when he came on. He was struggling to keep up with the likes of Bassey. And uh, I can't remember who the other one was that he was chasing down on the right-hand side. I just think if he's not got that to his game, then either has to look at his positioning and where he's going to play. Maybe he could move back one into right back. I don't know. I don't think he's got his defensiveness to that game. Or he has to look at someone like James Milner and what he's done and moved into the middle of the park. I just don't think he's able to do that at Celtic, though. It's an interesting point, Colin, and it's a good point. I'd like to know what other people think, so please make your, your comments and we'll bring them up. What does the future hold for James Forrest, Brown Warrior? All black and Adidas would be superb, Axel. Yeah, it certainly would. Mm-hmm. Brown Warrior, Stephen O'Rourke, uh, black and green hoops like Santos Laguna. You, you, I'll tell you what, dig out that old Celtic view. I designed it back in the day, so um, it looked tremendous in the early 90s. Um, so yes, I think that that's an interesting point you make. There's been moments this season that Forrest has shown us glimpses, he's calling. Um, and I think that, you know, I look at James Forrest in the same kind of way that I look at McGregor in terms of his career. I think he's going to end his career at Celtic. I've got that fixed in my mind. He's going to end his career at Celtic. There's certain players within this particular group who you know are going to move on a la Tierney and Dembele and Edward, etc. Mm. Big money moves. It's going to happen. There's always going to be two or three players in the squad 
who are earmarked for that kind of move. There's also players that you think they're probably their best years are going to be at Celtic, and then if they do move, it might back, be back to their, their homeland, and I think Julien's that type of player. There's probably a few others. And there's maybe a few others who's come in and they'll end their careers at Celtic, although they came pretty late, like Joe Hart. Um, but James Forrest is an interesting one because I've not thought that this is his last season. I just think that last season and this season... Um, it's been all about injuries and we just don't know the long-term effect of that. And I think that the increase in tempo as well, it'll be interesting to see if, if there is any way that he can adapt to it. Because I remember the last time he pulled up with an injury, was it against Ross County actually at home? And he's gone, he's, he's the burst of speed that you know was a massive part of his game and he's pulled up and he's holding his leg and he's trying to stay on. And we've seen it so many times with James Forrest, just the muscle strains and the pulls and... But I keep saying he's only 30. Mm-hmm. He's only 30 years of age. Yes, he's played a hell of a lot of games, but not in the last couple of years. So since he's been about 28, 29, he's not played a lot of games for Celtic, Colin. And hopefully that can extend um, the the kind of latter years of his Celtic career, I hope. I just I envisage him getting a testimonial, retiring at the age of 35, and going down in record books as one of the most decorated Celts, certainly in the modern day. I think he'll struggle to play to 35 because of the injuries he's had at such a young age. I think it was only, we go back to when Brendan Rodgers took over, which was, what, 2016, so we're talking six years ago now, that um, it was diagnosed that he had sciatica in his legs. And he had to get the treatment for that as well. Now, six years ago, he's only, what, 24, 25, potentially, depending on when he turns 31 this year. That's a lot for someone at such a young age to go through, and he, he basically came back from it. It wasn't just the one leg, he had it in both legs. At that point, Celtic, people were saying he was done. His contract was up, we were looking for him to go on a free. He then signed a new deal, he got a new lease of life under Brendan Rodgers, where he was averaging something like 18 goals and 18 assists a season for the three seasons that um, Rodgers was there. And then recently, as you said, the injuries have come back again, so... For me, if he's to last the 35, he isn't going to be playing on the right-hand side. He isn't going to be a winger. He's going to have to adjust. And I've seen someone in the comment section, and I totally agree with him. Just because he's lost the yard of space doesn't mean he's not, doesn't mean he's lost his football and intelligence. He's still got that there. It just means that he's probably going to have to change the position that he plays to extend his career. And you've saw that with different players. Scott Brown moves into a centre defensive role at a young age. And he extends his career to 35, 36, 37. I never James saw that happening, Colin, with Scott Brown. I did not see that happening. You know, when he was 27, 28, I didn't think that was going to be mm. his pathway. But you're right, the, the positional change and the management of him as a player um, has allowed him to do it. Do you think Forrest could play through the centre? Someone suggested there's a sort of an impact sub up front. And I don't know if he's got the... <laughs> I don't know if he's got this, the natural composure up front. He's obviously scored quite a few goals for Celtic, but a lot of that's been coming in from the wing. He's, not, he's never really been someone to, that stood out for me as, do you know what, we'll play him through the middle. Even the same way that we looked at playing Lewis Morgan for that six or seven game spell through the middle um, a couple of seasons ago, and even Leo Labada this season when we played him up front. I don't know if he's that kind of player. I, I think he could potentially be someone that goes into a, a right-back I think he'd have to learn a lot more of the defensive side of his game. But he is someone with that experience. And I'm thinking, if you look at guys like Paul Telfer that played 
and how long he was able to extend his career. And it's the intelligence of that. Someone like Ashley Young, who stepped back into that role, who was known earlier on in his career for being a much further, further forward player. Wing- wingers can do it. Andy Lynch did it, didn't he? He was a left mm. winger. He ended up a left back. And he, he, his successful years at Celtic were as a left back. He, was, mm. he wasn't a natural left back. Um, and speaking to Andy, always spoke about the fact you know a winger's game, you know their traits, you know what they like and what makes them uncomfortable, and you can co- combat it. So it's, it might sound like a kind of left field suggestion, Colin, but you know you, you never know. It might might well work. Uh, Andrew Allen, people have said that before about Forrest. Yeah, he's been written off so many yep. times, hasn't he? He's got ninety four goals. No, wait a minute, ninety six goals, ninety six assists. Mm-hmm. Do you think he'll either get 100 goals or 100 assists before the end of the season? Either or? No. No? No, I don't think he'll get a lot of game time between now and the end of the season. We shall see. Uh, Patrick James Simpson, I agree. James, I think, is a no. Sorry. I think is no a bench option and only starts if the squad has injuries. I think, I I think it is that. now a bench option. Yeah. Oh, no. Sorry, Patrick. McMahon, 67, would definitely need a left back to compete with Taylor if skills isn't in Angie's plans. It doesn't seem to be if he's not injured and he's not in the second 11 that was sitting on the bench. Yeah. Um, and you and boy Martin Forrest will come good again. Uh, Paddy Lavery loves Axel on a Friday. We'll keep it coming, Paddy. Get involved as always. And uh, love the kit chat. Look at this. Anthony Leighton, thank you so much. You've just pre ordered the book. Keeping me up at number one on the action. There you go, charts. Paul. I'm, I'm looking for a wee commission. Agent commission. Absolutely. Uh, Patrick goes on. He has been a wonderful servant, scored some crucial goals. But time does catch up with us all. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It certainly does. Um, yeah, I think he, there's still a place for James Forrest. And I also think that there are certain parts, um, when I look back, of my Celtic support in life where we've got really too much experience all at the one time. And that, that was actually one of my big issues this season, coming into this season, Colin. I just felt that regardless of your opinion of the likes of Scott Brown, Neil Lennon and Peter Lowell, you're losing a wealth of experience in different areas of the football club. And that concerned me massively because the, the, what comes with that experience often is, is a leadership and an understanding of what the club means. And when I think a wee bit further back, I remember Roy Aiken and Tommy Burns, Mark McGee, Frank McIverney, Billy Stark, um, all these players left you know, in close proximity and then you've almost lost your identity. The very mm-hmm. fabric or the very glue of your football club um, is gone because your experience is away. Um, and then you are left in, in the barren years after that. And I just don't want, I just don't think you, you tear it up quite as easily as that. You, you know, the experience that Forrest has is massive. And I'm pretty sure there's things happening that we're unaware of in relation to the uh, influence that he has on the likes of Abada. Mm-hmm. coming in as a 19-year-old into a new country, into a new style of football, a new culture. Um, and someone like James Forrest, he might not be a typical leader, Colin, but behind the scenes, that quiet, inspiring figure. Um, and I think you need a number of guys like that at the club. Forrest and McGregor are two of them. I think Beaton uh, over the piece has got that. I think Rogic has got it. And then we've brought in guys like Hart and McCarthy, who's got it mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I wouldn't be too quick to get ready for us or write them off. I'm going to ask you then, give me your full 11 for Sunday. Uh, Sunday we'll go with Joe Hart and goal. Um, that's an obvious one. 
Anthony Ralston at right back, Carter Vickers, Starfelt, and uh, Greg Taylor. Hopefully, it does sound as if he's fit. Uh, in the midfield, I would go with Beaton, McGregor, and Rogic. And up front, I would go with Maeda, Jakimakis, and I'll go with Jota. As much as I think he has been off the Jota, boil Jota recently. on the right, Colin? Jota on the right, yeah. I think right, as okay. much as he's been off the boil recently, he's due a big performance and hopefully it will be on Sunday. Right. Well, not a great deal of change, but I wouldn't play Beaton. I would play O'Reilly. And I asked the question earlier, can O'Reilly and Rogic play in the same team? Well, let's try it, eh? I would do that. I would play that. And I think you're right, Yakimakis, if uh, he plays, and then it's a question over who plays right. Is it Jota or Lila Bada or James Forrest? And on the left, is it Maeda or Jota? Um, and I don't think Maeda's done anything that would deserve him getting dropped. Uh, but I don't think Jota's been on the best of form either. No. Sometimes you keep playing these players until they come out of that bad patch rather than drop them. Do you know the interesting thing is it's not that he's because he has been effective at times. I mean, he he must have a couple of assists over the last couple of games. I think it, there was it's, a couple of assists against St. Johnson. Yeah, it's just that we we've not really seen the Jota that we've seen earlier on in the season. It's ever since he started wearing that headband, isn't it? So I think Jota on the right and Maeda on the left. Yeah, I agree with that. The only change I'm making is beat on out O'Reilly in. Go for that. Uh, we shall see. We'll be covering the game, of course, 30 minutes before kickoff on Sunday. It is absolutely massive. It's huge. And then we win the game, and the game against Rangers is even bigger the following week. Looking forward to it. Um, yeah, subscribe to Axon if you haven't done so already. All you do is you go into the YouTube channel, you click subscribe, you click the notification bell, you get content every single day, and it's all free. As well as the Axon content, you get some music, you get some culture. We've done a big feature on Maba, who make football jerseys and all that kind of stuff. If you're a bit of an anorak like me, you might enjoy it. Um, and also, by subscribing, you get thrown into various prize draws. Tonight's show is sponsored by Who Knows Wins. Uh, get involved with our app. We're part of it, Colin and I, by downloading it. Uh, the link is in the description below. Yeah, brilliant. Looking forward to Sunday. I'll see you then. I'm going to take a day off tomorrow, Colin. Uh, thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the comments section. And thank you once again, Colin Watt, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment.
People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.